another week of The Porch. My name is Josiah, and we are so glad that you're here joining us tonight from our Porch Live locations, The Porch Live Indianapolis and Greater Lafayette, Indiana, The Porch Live Midland, Texas, and my friends from Scottsdale, Arizona. Great hanging out with you guys last week. That was amazing. And then finally, not to forget, my friends right here in Dallas, Texas. Come on. Hey, can I just say this? Like, y'all are the faithful ones. Like, we got tornadoes happening around us, bad storms here in Dallas, and y'all are here, so let's go. I mean, y'all are ready to lean in. J.D., I think they're ready, bro. Well, hey, uh, we have been in a series titled On God, Standing Firm uh, in, in the Midst of Trials, Standing Firm in Our Faith When Things Are Shaky, and we've been studying uh, in the book of Daniel, and really, man, we've, we've talked about having a fiery faith and uh, um, in a culture that is crumbling around us, how do we have a faith that is immovable? Last week, we talked about David, talked about this idea that, hey, it's not about us. The root of all sin is pride. I encourage you to check that message out. It was incredible. And tonight, we're pulling up to Daniel chapter six. But before we get there, I thought I'd just start out with a story. Uh, several months ago, I woke up uh, to just finding out that I had been robbed. I don't know if you've ever been robbed, but this was my first time. And uh, it was when my family and I were sleeping, so it's kind of eerie. And listen, this is the crazy thing, man. My dog sleeps like right next to the garage wall, and they had opened our garage, and that brother didn't even wake up. It's like, what is going on? And, uh, and so I walk into my garage only to find out that we had thousands of dollars of stuff stolen from us. And so, listen, I'm on edge, y'all, like I'm just him. And so uh, several days later, um, I'm doing some work in my living room on my computer. I'm wrap, trying to wrap up the night, and it's like 1 a.m. I'm just kind of that late night owl kind of guy. And I go to lock my front door, and uh, lo and behold, I just peek out the window, and I see a car rolling up. And they're kind of on the other side of the curb. I'm like, oh, here we go, man. I found the culprit. Oh, honey, grab the gun. And so I got the gun. <laughs> no, no lie. I got the gun right next to my front door. And uh, I'm about to just be bold, right? I'm coming out to the front porch. And I see this brother. He's a young adult getting out of his car. And he's walking on the sidewalk just a few houses down. I'm like, man, this is sketch, man. And I just, I was like, hey, 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 bro, what are you doing? And uh, he said, he said, Josiah? I said, whoa, how do you know me? He's like, oh, I go to the porch. I'm like, ah, oh, even better. Okay, okay, so hey, what are you doing, man, at 1 a.m.? I just got robbed a few, few days ago, so I'm, I'm kind of on edge and a little salty, so hey, why don't you come on over here to my front porch and we can talk, hey, let's do that. And so lo and behold, he said, hey, man, I was just, I was just going to my girlfriend's parents' house. I'm like, oh, parents' house. Okay. Okay, cool. So she's still in college. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's in college. Okay. Uh, so we, we, we begin to talk, and I'm like, so what were you doing? At, at, what were you going to do at your girlfriend's parents' house? And I was like, do her parents know? And he's like, ah, no, not really. And I said, hey, hey, look here, bro. It's late. I got two little girls. They're only five and three sleeping in the back of the bedroom. Do you think when they get older... I'm gonna want some man showing up to my house and I, and I don't know, I don't know that man? He's like, yeah, probably not. And so, uh, <laughs> no lie. And so, and so we're just having a frank conversation. And, uh, and I just said, hey, look, man, I'm tired, you're tired. And, uh, and here's the deal, man, here's the invitation. 
if, if, if you want to be God's man, I'd love to meet up with you at a later date. But, but what you are about to go do at your girlfriend's parents' house is not God's best for you. So, so, so here's the deal, man. You're calling yourself a follower of Jesus. I'm calling myself a follower of Jesus. Listen, I would love to talk to you about what it means to be God's man. And I'm, I got a ways to go, bro. But I've been following him for about 15 years. And, and I love just to, to take you to lunch. And so uh, a few days pass, and lo and behold, I get this email out of nowhere, and, and this is what it reads. Josiah, we'd love to set up a time to meet with you. I'm interested in understanding what it means to live like a true man of God. Thanks. And so I start there tonight, because as we open the book of Daniel, chapter 6, we're going to talk about what it looks like to be a man and a woman of character. Because I, I, I share that story with you tonight because in a, in a sense, I was just saying, hey man, like if you, wanna, if you really wanna learn what it looks like to be a man or woman of character, you're in your case, a man, but, but if you wanna be a man of character, then let's talk. And tonight, I have to believe that you come into this place, tornadoes are happening around us, and, and you're hungry for God's word. You're hungry to lift up the name of Jesus. Some of you, for the first time, you're like, man, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? What does it really mean to be this man of character that this guy's talking about? And so you're in a good place tonight here at the porch. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up. And Daniel 6 is going to challenge us to be a man or a woman of character. So you see, everything rises and falls on character. Like you want to be a great friend, then you got to have high character. You don't want to be that friend that, that talks bad about someone behind their back only to boost up your, you know, self-esteem. Or, or you, want to be, you want to be a good coworker, you want to be a good boss, you don't want to get sent to jail for fraud, business fraud, you got to have high character. You want to be a, a, a man or a woman who stands the test of time in your marriage, you got to be a man of character, a woman of high character. You want to be a great dad or a mom someday to your kids, then you got to be a great man or woman of character. And so tonight we're talking about what it looks like to be a man or woman of character. I want to point out three things from this text that mark a man or woman of character. We're going to see this transfer of power that happened several years later from King Nebuchadnezzar, who we've been studying about the last few weeks in the book of Daniel, to now King Darius's new empire. At the end of Daniel 5, there's this transfer of power from King Nebuchadnezzar to King Darius, and so we're going to pick it up in chapter 6. Here we go. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. But Daniel proved himself to be more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way of Daniel, in the way he was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or, con or condemn him of. See, it's funny that when, when you're a man or woman of character and people can't point out anything in you that might be wrong, then what do they do? Let's keep reading. 
He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy, so they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection to the rules of his religion. See, when they can't point out anything in your character, then they will attack your God. They will attack your faith. Why? Because Daniel was committed to God and not man. How do you become a man or woman of character in the middle of a crisis that maybe you find yourself in at work where, hey, they can't attack who you are, but they might be able able to attack your God? You commit to God and not man. Men and women of character are always committed to God and not man. Why is it important that men and women of character stay committed to God and not man? This is why it's important, because the circumstances of life, the circumstances of my life and your life, they change, they come and go. There's things that happen in your world that are constantly changing around you and around me. But the Bible says that Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if we're gonna be a man or woman of character, then we have to commit to him and not to man who changes just like the wind. Do you think Daniel wanted to work for a king that enslaved him? Do you think he wanted to get plucked out of his family and and, and now be a slave to to King Darius? No, he, he had his entire identity removed and now he finds himself working for an unruly and a pagan king. But what does he do? He stays committed. How did he stay committed despite his circumstances? Daniel chose to believe that God had him right where he was for a reason. Like you might find yourself in the midst of some circumstances tonight and, 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 and the, the, the temptation is to believe that, man, God's got it wrong or God can't be trusted. And we're gonna find out in this story that no, God sometimes puts us in harm's way, in painful situations to be a fork in the road for the people that he's placed us in front of. And so he was able to display the character of Christ by working with the spirit of excellence for King Darius. Because he wasn't working for King Darius, he was working for the ultimate king. See, that's the key to, have a, to be a man or woman of character in the midst of an ever-changing world. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, whatever happens in your life, work as though you're working for the Lord and not human masters. Whatever's going on in your world, you don't work as though you're working for a human institution or a human master. You work as though you're working for the Lord with all of your heart. This was Daniel's life. You see, when God is the why behind the what, then the how remains the same. See, the how you work should be informed by by the why, not the what. See, the why is always, it's always followed. When when, When your why is to seek God and not man, then what follows is you working for God and not for any man. So when the man changes, when the human institutions change, when the things of this world change, Your why always stays the same because you're working for God and not man. Galatians 1.10 says, am I trying to win the approval of man or of God? If I was trying to win the approval of man, then I'd never be a servant of Christ. You ever had a boss, like just like a bad boss? (laughs) Um, 
Some of you are like, yeah, it's all too real. But, but maybe, maybe this boss, he, he calls you into his office and says, hey, you're going to get the raise, the raise that you've always wanted, right? The, way, the raise you've been working for, but under one condition. Hey, I messed up our yearly report, so I need you to fudge these numbers. And in that moment, you have to decide, is the raise more important than who I'm really working for? What God has called me to do. Or, or maybe it's a relationship where someone wants you to compromise sexually. And, and, and they're just saying sweet nothings and saying everything you want to hear and doing the things that you've always wanted that man or woman to do. But you know what God's called you to do. He's called you to pursue a life of purity so that you can be one with your husband or your wife someday. Maybe it's a, a parent who wants you to pursue a career, right? That you know that God is not calling you to pursue, but you're in the middle of conflict because your parents have always dreamed of you being this or that, and now you find yourself in the middle of Hey, do I please my parents or do I please what God has called me to do? Or maybe it's friends. And I know for me, after I committed my life to Jesus at 21, I remember distinctly getting phone calls from just people that I'd go out with and party. I just knew, man, like my thing, my ditch was alcohol. And so I could never just drink you know, two. I always had to drink like eight or nine or 10. And, and man, I just had this addictive personality that when I go all in, I'm all in. So it's good. Like when I came to Christ, like I'm all in. Like, hey, no one's, no one's getting in this. No one's, no one's talking me out of this. And I remember getting a phone call saying, hey, Josiah, you want to go out? And I remember specifically just wrestling with this Desire where, man, I was like, yeah, man, I want to go out. I believe I, I'm strong enough. I got this. But then only falling prey to the very thing that would call my name over and over and over in the years past. Maybe that's you. You know you're not strong enough. But you're, you're fighting the approval of man. You're fighting the approval of what these people think about you when you know you can't stand up against that temptation. See, we all have people in our life that we seek to please, but that is why men and women of character aren't categorized by people pleasing. They're categorized by what does my God think? How about you? How about you? Are you committed to God or man? Like when you, when you and the Bible disagree, who wins? <laughs> Nervous laughter? <laughs> right? Like when you and the Bible disagree, who wins? Maybe. It's easy for us to say when we just got done singing Jesus songs, right? And we're in this controlled temperature environment with the, you know, cushioned seats, and it's amazing. See, the problem with our generation, I, I believe, is that we form our commitments by our feelings, not forming our commitments by what this book has to say. Instead of someone saying amen, someone needs to say Ouch. Because that's true, right? We, we form our commitments by our feelings, not our commitments by the truth of God's word. I remember one of the first times this played out in my relationship with my mom. And, you know, this is probably why I struggle with people pleasing. Because when I was going into the sixth grade, 
My mama walked out on us. And see, so, some of you, you got daddy wounds, I got a mama wound. And I just remember her leaving, and man, all I wanted was to seek her approval, and I remember her walking out and just saying, hey, I'm done, and the divorce was finalized, and I found myself a couple years later with my dad and a stepmom and stepchildren, a blended family, and doing that whole thing. And, and, and the hard part about this relationship is that she's never owned her part, but am I gonna be conform to my feelings because my feelings say, man, I got bitterness, I got resent for days, I, I'm angry. Or does God's word say, because of Jesus and because of all your sin, Josiah, he loves you in spite of your sin and he forgives you when you ask. And so do I take that same forgiveness that he's granted to me and do I extend that to my mom and for those of you that are in relationships or been hurt by people and they've never owned their part, how do you deal with that? You deal with that by every day, me, before my feet hit the ground, my knees hit the ground. I say, God, hey, I know that I'm prone to anger when something doesn't go my way, when someone doesn't meet my expectation, I know I'm prone to anger because of this mama wound. So will you forgive me for being prone to this anger and I forgive my mom, even though she hasn't forgiven me, I'm gonna walk out that play every single day, and the moment I choose not to forgive my mom, then listen, I'm gonna hold something against that person that wrongs me, and I'm gonna explode. How about you? Are your, is your commitment based on your feelings, or is it based on what this book says? This was Daniel's life. And as a result, the text says he was a man who proved himself more capable than all other workers in King Darius' kingdom. Why? Because he was full of integrity. He did what was right when no one was looking. He was a man of skill. He had a hard work ethic. He had a spirit of excellence, faultless and faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. He was committed to God and not man. And people didn't like that about King Darius. Like King Darius loved Daniel because of his character. But the people around him, the, when, when you're a man or woman of character, the people around you hate you because you expose their evil deeds. And so as we continue to read, if they can't point out things in his character, then they will attack his God. There's no middle ground. This is how you and I take a stand in today's culture. If you don't stand for something, I'm telling you, you're gonna fall for everything. Let's keep reading. So the administrators, verse six, and high officers went to the king and said, long live the king. We're all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, are we all in agreement? Because I don't, I don't know if Daniel is. Look what, look what he's about to say. That the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that over the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human, except to you, O king, your majesty will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty issue and sign this law so it cannot change, an official law of the Medes and the Persians that can't be revoked. So what did King Darius do? Because he's prideful and he's a pagan, he's an unbeliever, he signs it. He's like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Instead of people praying to all these other gods, why don't they just pray to me and I'll just be God? 
hey, don't, don't blame King Darius. We do that every day. We do that every day when we steal glory from God for the things that we're experiencing in our life and we point to us as the ones who get the glory. Continuing in verse 10, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always done, giving thanks to God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about the law. Did you not sign a law for the next 30 days that any person who prays or to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Look at the manipulation happening in this text. Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is the official law of the Medes and the Persians and it can't be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, you know the one you love, the one of the captives from Judah, he's ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of his days looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be challenged. Men and women of character are consistent despite any change. This is what we see in this text. They're consistent despite change. Look at what I mean, what I mean by this. Look at this for a second. When I say consistent despite this, the change, look at what Daniel did. When he had learned that the king had signed this law, that's the change that's happening in his culture, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. That's the consistency of who he is. And with the windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he always had done. That's consistency, again, giving thanks to God. That man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, he's ignoring your law, he still prays to his God three times a day. There you see consistency. See, he's consistent despite the change. What does this show us? Despite whatever changes Daniel is facing, he's consistent. Are you consistent? When, when, when the culture around you is changing, when your friend group is changing, when, when, the, when things are popping up in the news and things are changing around us, what is said about you? Do you change? Does your belief system change? Does your faith have a tendency to weaken or does it only embolden? See, the law changed, the king changed, the people around him changed, but Daniel was consistent. Just like those things changed, we see things around us changing every day. You can decide your own truth now. Hey, this book, man, it's not truth. I mean, it's just like one of many. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. It's just relative truth. You pick it, whatever truth works for you. Man, we, we, we see, uh, you can decide what gender you want. Even Washington came out and said, hey, let's, let's have kids be transgender. Let's let them make that decision. But you can't drive to your 16, you can't smoke to your 18, you can't drink to your 21. But I think it's a good idea for let, let kids pick their gender. Where do you stand? It's crazy. Abortion. You can get aborted in the womb up to 24 weeks. And some states are trying to lengthen that. See, you, you can't, 
you can't decide on what you believe in the moment. You have to be consistent with who you are in Christ. Are you consistent despite the change? If you're gonna be a person of character, then you don't just go with the flow of culture. Daniel's consistency to seek God prepared him for any changes that came his way. In the same way, your habits today will prepare you for your decisions tomorrow. Do you know that? The habits that you're creating today will prepare you for your decisions tomorrow, next month, next year, 10 years from now. Because you're just becoming more of who you are today. So take a look at your life. Do you like who you're becoming? Well, then keep doing what you're becoming. If you don't, man, we're a fork in the, 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 the road tonight. You decide, you choose. Because Daniel was true to his God. Nothing was gonna change his character because of his consistency. Let me ask you something. What, what consistent habits do you have right now in your life that are helping you become a man or woman of character? Like, like when you wake up, do you, are you quick to, to scroll to Instagram or are you quick to run to this book? Like what would it look like, porch, what would it look like for the young adults in Dallas to filter every decision through this book? Every stance that you're gonna take based on what culture says or what your friends say or what your boss says or your corporation says, what would it look like if you looked at every decision that you were gonna make, every belief that you were gonna hold on to and you filtered it through the Bible? Are you quick to open it up and say, God, I'm your servant, I'm listening, what would you have for me? See, so many people wanna know about God's will, but he's given us a written will to open up and read. And I believe that when you are faithful to obey his written, his written will for your life, then he will explain the will of God, whether you're where you're supposed to work, who you're supposed to marry, what church you're supposed to connect to, what does it look like to believe in today's society? Like he's gonna share those things with you. He's gonna show them to you. How about prayer, man? What do we do three times a day, morning, noon, and lunch? We eat, man, come on. Some of y'all like stomach's growling right now, you can't wait to get out of here and eat. Hold up. Daniel prayed three times a day. He was consistent. Like, like, what does it look like for you to pray? Like, what if you decided to get a notebook and you just began to jot out, hey, this is what I'm thankful for. God, this is what I wanna see you do in my life. I was having coffee with JD the other day. I'm like, bro, what, what, are, you, what are you doing right now? He's like, I'm praying. I'm like, what, what, let, me, let me see that. He's like, no, man, you can't see my prayers. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm, I'm praying, and then I mark off the ones when I see God move in my life, when I see God answer those prayers. That's incredible. Like, what, if, what would it look like if you did that? Scripture memory. The Bible says that one of the ways that we defeat the enemy in our life that's attacking us, the enemy that's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you and me, and, and, and for us to defeat the sin that lies within us and the world that's coming at us is by hiding the word of God in our hearts. See, the Holy Spirit can't remind you of anything that you don't know. Are you memorizing Scripture? I told you one of the sins that I have a, have a tendency of committing is just ang being angry. Like just when somebody wrongs me, man, I just don't respond well. And so I find these, what I call fighter verses that help me in those moments where I wanna lash out or I don't wanna speak 
kindly to my kids or I have the wrong tone towards my wife. I, I just have these verses that I've written down and I'm starting to memorize so that the Holy Spirit can remind me in those moments where my flesh wants to take over that that's not the way of life, Josiah. That's the way of death. How about church membership, man? Where are you? Like how can you, how can you really go all in when you're looking at church as like a buffet menu? And you go over here for the worship, go here for the teaching, go here for the community, but you're not really all in and nobody's really shepherding you, no one's really caring for your soul. And I would just say, man, by God's grace, I've just submitted to the elders of this church, and it doesn't have to be Watermark, but it has to be a church. And how can you really be a man or woman that's rooted and they know you and you know them if you're never fully bought in to a church? Being in community, every Friday morning I meet with these men at 6 a.m. and they know where I've been in thought, in word, and in action. And I'm able to confess those things knowing that I'm gonna be fully loved in the midst of being fully known. And it's a beautiful picture of how I see Christ tangibly through these men that love me no matter where I've been, no matter what I've done. And they're able to help me grow and not fall into the same things over and over and over. Do you have a track record of faithfulness? Or do you have a track record of brokenness? What is your track record? One of God's greatest provisions for your life and my life is that we would lock arms with other men. And you ladies, you would lock arms with other women that love Jesus, aren't perfect, but wanna be about his kingdom. That wanna be about his business. Where are you serving? Is it all about you when you come into this place, like feed me, feed me, feed me, God, it, you know, God's great, but then you never give back? You never serve, you never lay your life down, you never die to yourself and, and live for a bigger kingdom that will be without end? Like if you were to look at the last week or the last month of your life, where have you made spiritual deposits where the kingdom is furthering because of your gifts and because of your time and because of your treasures. Like how are you leveraging those things for the kingdom of God? The decisions you make today determine your tomorrow. You know that? When tomorrow changes, the laws of the land change, the government changes, the culture changes, your friends at work change, will you? The people of God maintain their witness to an evil world and are consistent despite any change by getting along with the Lord by connecting with his people, and by serving those around them. This is how Daniel stays consistent despite any change, even if it's meant thrown into the lion's den. Let's continue. Verse 16. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you, Daniel. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? 
Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions so they would not hurt me. For I've been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered Daniel to be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. What do you trust in? When the darkness of life is upon you, when the lion's den of life is crouching at your door, like what do you trust in? You, do you run to that bottle? Do you run to that drug? Do you run to that relationship? Do you run to that business and, and just get caught up with more work and try to make more money? Like where do you run to when the lion's den of life is crouching at your door? When you're sitting there and you feel like Darkness is all around you. See, men and women of character are courageous no matter the cost. They're courageous no matter the cost. See, did you, did you see in verse 22, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him because he had trusted in God. Even to the point of death, nothing could shake this man. How do we get there? We believe that God is true. We believe that his promises are, are, are right and good. And we believe that this earth that we're living on is not the final destination. Heaven is. And so no matter what happens to Daniel, he believes that he wins. It's what Paul had, the guy who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. He says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You can take my life, but if you take it, I'm going to heaven. But to live, like wherever I'm going, I'm going to tell the world about Jesus no matter the cost. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do you have that mentality? Is, is, this, is this your mentality tonight? Because if it's not, then you got ground to take and I got ground to take in my life. Have you ever been in a dark place and felt for, forgotten by God? Maybe, the, maybe you didn't get the job that you wanted or the promotion or, or, or the cancer was inevitable for a good family friend of yours. Or maybe it was that relationship that you thought was gonna end in a marriage. Or maybe for some of you, like, relationship, man, I, where are the relationships? I ain't got those. I'm sorry, I'm praying. There's a lot of people here at the porch. Come on, somebody. But don't trust them all. Because there are wolves in this place, okay? And just because they carry a Bible doesn't mean that they can be trusted. But hey, I digress. <laughs> Have you ever been in a dark place? Like, like darkness, like, like a real place of darkness where, where, where you, can, you can hear the, 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 the sounds of, of, of lions. Like, like you can hear the, the wrestling in, in your spirit. Like, like you, you, you know that, that this this thing is, is, is gonna lead to a, a place of, of horror for you if something doesn't change. I, I told you, man, first of that was my mom walking out on me. 
And then I found myself at 30 years old and single, and somebody looks at me and they're like, I don't think this guy's ever had a romantic problem. It's like, no, no, no. Like, listen, when I came to Christ at 21, there was a decade of singleness. And I'm like, God, I'm, I'm trying to do this thing. Like, I'm talking, where, where, are you? where are you, man? Like, when you don't think that God is working and you're, you're working for him, but you're thinking that he should be working for you? Laying in my bed wondering, hey, am I always gonna be single for the rest of my life? If I am, hey, I still win. I get heaven. It's a hard place to get to, but I think that's where God wanted me to get to. And then thankfully, God allowed me to get married and we were about to have our first child, a little girl. And I remember getting a phone call from the doctor saying, hey, she's got heart issues. And if, if, if you decide to have her, then you're, you're probably going to deal with heart issues for her entire life. Do you want to abort her? And I said, what? what? Did, did I hear you right? And, and then I remember a few years later walking into my house and my wife, man, she's, she's strong, man. She does, she's not a weeper. She's not a crier. And I just remember her just crying, like weeping uncontrollably. And I'm like, baby, baby, what, what's wrong? What, what, what happened? And she said, you're not going to believe this. I just got a call from my sister. She's got stage three colon cancer. And it felt like the, the air was sucked out of our entire house. And I'm sitting here just consoling my wife who's weeping uncontrollably. What do you do in those moments when the darkness is closing in on you and you're like, God, where are you? Like, how am I supposed to continue this? It's in the dark times where you have to rely on God. Because, man, it's easy to be courageous when there's no cost, right? Like, it's easy to be courageous when... Life is good, and, and, and it's easy to put that Bible verse on your Instagram bio and come into this place and, 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 and sing praises to God, and you know you got the praise hands. But, but what about when darkness strikes? Because it's coming for us all, oh, man. We live in a broken world jacked up with sin, and it sent creation into chaos, and we see death, and we see tornadoes, and we see COVID, and we see rape and murder and all the evil in this world. You believe that God is real. His promises are true. And this earth is not our home. There's heaven. And my book, the book that I read, this Bible that I read in Revelation says, hey, there's coming a day when he's gonna wipe every tear from your eye and my eye and the former things have passed away and he's gonna make all things new and there's not gonna be any more pain and suffering anymore. And so it's in those moments where you rely on God. Where do you run to when the darkness settles in on your life? Do you rely on God? It's in the dark times of life where you get to proclaim that God is real because I'm telling you, man, when, 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 when just everything's perfect, people look at you and you're like, oh yeah, no wonder why you believe in God. But it's in those dark times of life where the, the watching world is watching how you and I are going to respond to this tragedy, this brokenness. And it can lead entire kingdoms and people to bend their knee before the living God. You believe that? 
Like when you don't act like everyone else acts in the office, or you decide to stay home on the weekends instead of going out. I've been there, I've been in the lonely nights of my apartment when I was single to 31 years old. It's in those moments of darkness where you're able to share with the world who your God really is, and it can change entire kingdoms. Look at what verse 26 says. I decree, this is King Darius, that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before who? The God of Daniel. And then he goes on and says, for he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions and he can rescue you from what you're going through. It might not change, your circumstances might not change. But tell me something, do we not have a God that has defeated sin and death? That he didn't just die on the cross, but he defeated it three days later? There's no other religion that teaches that. That's what separates Christianity from all other religions, that we have a God who's alive and powerful. If he's dead, then what we're doing, man, is futile. It does not matter. We're wasting our time. And so in summary, we see in this story that no matter what we face in life, no matter the outcome, God is looking for men and women of character. Will you commit, will you commit to be that man or woman? Will you be consistent in your pursuit of him despite the changes in our culture? And will you finally respond with courage no matter the cost? This is what marks a man or woman of character. As we close, land the plane. You know what's so incredibly cool about this story? About the book of Daniel? Like, like, like Daniel, man, he couldn't save himself. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were tied up and thrown into the fiery furnace. Like they couldn't save themselves. Like they had to rely on God. They had to rely on someone outside of themselves. This is the whole purpose of the gospel that you can't save yourself, that I can't save myself. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how good of a person you think you are. You can't save yourself. This is why God sent his one and only son, Jesus, 2,000 years ago to live the life that you and I could never live. He was perfect in thought, word, and action, which made, him the, which made him the only eligible one to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. A sinful man or woman could never do that. And all of our sin went on him. And he soaked up every last ounce of God's wrath, the wrath that should have been poured out on you and me because of our sin. And he got what we deserve and we get what he deserved. It's called the great exchange. And not only that, scripture records and history says that three days later he bursted forth from the grave to defeat the sting of sin and death. And what we see in this story is that Jesus is the greater Daniel. Check this out for a minute. Who else was misunderstood and had people plot against him to King Pilate. 
That was Jesus. Like just like Daniel had people plot against him, right? To throw him into the lion's den. Jesus had people plot against him. His own people turned against him to be crucified on the cross. Just like Daniel was thrown into the lion's den and a stone placed over that den, Jesus was put in a tomb with a stone rolled over the tomb. Just like Daniel, through the power of God, was rescued from the mouths of the lions, the sting of death, not a scratch was found on him. In the same way, Jesus bursted forth from the tomb Easter. We happen to celebrate it this Sunday. That's crazy, y'all. That's nuts. He bursted forth from the tomb three days later to defeat sin and death. Like, that's good news. Like, that's news that, that you can't muster up. Like, nobody can tell me that, that, that man wrote this book, that man wrote that story. What do we do when we want justice? We take over. We get the guns out, we get the fists up, and we're taking over. No, Jesus came as a suffering servant to die on the cross for your sin and my sin. And this is what we have to do. We have to bend the knee and say, God, I recognize apart from you, I'm nothing. I can't save myself. Have you done that tonight? Have you made Jesus the leader of your life? Do you commit to God and not man? Are you a, a man or woman who is consistent despite the changes happening in our culture? And are you courageous no matter the, cross, the cost? Let me pray that you would tonight. God in heaven, this is a story about a man who had high character, a man who stood the test of time no matter the circumstances of life. And I believe tonight you're looking for a man or a woman among us, whoever's listening to this message at a later date, you're looking for a man or woman among us who's gonna step into the character that you're calling them to, but we can't do it apart from you. That's the crazy thing. We can't be a man of high character, woman of high character apart from you. Eventually, it'll get exhausting. We'll fall, and it won't end well. Because there's none among us who's perfect, and we need a perfect God, and you became that through the person of Jesus Christ. And I pray tonight that you would raise up some men and women who haven't trusted in you, that tonight would be the night where they draw a line in the sand, they nail a stake in the ground, and they trust you for the very first time for the forgiveness of sins and life after death. That they make you the leader of their life. And for those of us that have done that, we would be moved to pursue you more and more and more no matter what life throws at us. And we would see that you're gonna use all of those moments of hard, all of those circumstances, all of the changes of culture 
to refine us and to grow us into the men and the women that you want us to be for your glory, our joy, and the world's good. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.